James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned in once again to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. So thank you all once again for joining me on this uh, wonderful evening or and or afternoon and or morning and or whatever time it might be for you, wherever you are in the globe. And of course, I'm coming to you all the way from my home in western Japan. So thank you once again for tuning in and, and investing your mental energies in healthy alternative media rather than the corporate pablum that we are force-fed on a daily basis. And it's great to have you all for tonight's episode of the, this broadcast because last night, of course, we were dealing with extremely uh, serious and, and quite worrying topics, obviously talking about the new National Defense Authorization Act, which threatens to really change the face of America and of the globe in general and really uh, pulled the trigger on on the beginnings of what could be total all-out martial law, an extremely worrying topic. But I think it's important from time to time when dealing with topics like that to go back to the fundamental point, one that we made, if you were listening last week, to my conversation uh, with Mark Russell about consciousness. Of course, we are not just passive recipients of everything that's going on in this world. We are actors in and of ourselves, and we can do what we can do in our own in our own way, in our own sphere, and we can resist and we can actually make change in this world. And I'm not saying that uh, any one person is going to be that Rambo who's going to do everything themselves, but I think each of us has to take it upon ourselves to do what we can and use our talents that we have in whatever way we can in order to try to affect change and try to make the world a more positive place. And that's the space that we're going to be coming from this evening as we introduce a topic that I've talked about on uh, CorbettReport.com and in my podcast and in the work that I do there quite a bit, but we haven't quite touched on yet on Corbett Report Radio, although we have talked about predictive programming on, on this program before and the idea that uh, that ideas can be implanted in our consciousness through the, the music and through the movies and the TV shows and all of the cultural phenomenon that we're subjected to. Well, of course, there is a flip side to that, and that's that we can also use these these media and these forms to express ourselves and express our own ideas. And that's the side that I want to get in, into tonight. I guess you could call it a kind of reverse predictive programming, maybe some sort of uh, anti-predictive programming, where I think an extremely important part of resisting and of finding your own voice in this is to take whatever skills you have, whatever talents you have, and to use them for, as I say, creating a better better world, hopefully, in the long run. And again, not one man can do that, but all of us working together can do that. So what are we talking about this evening specifically? Well, we're talking about truth music, something that I've covered in various ways, as I say, on CorbettReport.com in the past. And there are uh, numerous examples of people putting out great music that really does reflect a lot of the issues and subjects that we're talking about here on Corbett Report Radio on a nightly basis. And on that note, tonight we have lined up for you, I think, a very interesting conversation with a musician who's uh, currently based in Nashville. His name is uh, John Jones. He's JJ. And you can find him at jjjones.de. And it's, uh, I hope you will go there to check out his, uh, his work. And it's an extremely eclectic, quite a, quite a diverse range of musical, uh, tastes here. Everything from German pop music to Christmas songs to country music. But tonight we're going to be focusing on specifically a, a number of songs that he's created called the Ron Paul songs, which are uh, 
parodies of various uh, well-known songs, but with, uh, well, shall we say, subtly changed lyrics, or not so subtly changed lyrics as the case may be, all in support of Ron Paul's candidacy for the Republican presidential nomination for 2012. So I'm very much looking forward to talking with uh, with JJ about his music tonight, and we're, of course, going to be listening to some of the songs. So I certainly hope that you'll uh, be stay tuned uh, right there where you are so that we can listen to this all together. So let's just take a few min- a minutes break, and we'll be right back right after these messages.
All right, friends, welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. And that was the work of John Jones, a.k.a. JJ, our guest for tonight. Again, his main website is jjjones.de, but of course you can find that song as well as several other Ron Paul parody songs at iamthatmusic.com slash ronpaul. Again, that's all one word, iamthatmusic.com slash ronpaul. And of course, in the notes for tonight's episode on corporatereport.com slash radio, I will put up the links to to his site and... uh, you can go check that out, and you can actually uh, buy one of the songs that he has up there. Uh, it's a parody of the downtown song, of course, with Ron Paul lyrics. So it's great to have him right here alive tonight for all the way from Nashville. So, uh, JJ, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us tonight. Greetings, James. It's really great to be on your show. Well, it's great to have you here, especially because I, I encountered that song. Um, I don't even remember how I found that link now, but I saw the link. I clicked on the video, and I saw you screaming your heart out and uh, to Roxanne. And as much as I like the, the Police original, I think I, I'll take that version any day of the week. Although I must admit, every time every time I listen to that, I, I feel sad for your vocal cords because I think you must have scraped a few on there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad it, you it did. It was a stretch. It was definitely a stretch, but I think that's uh, part of why I enjoy it. Well, yeah, it sounds uh, it's just so great. I just love the way it comes across. So it's definitely got that uh, that punch to it. And uh, yeah, I, I must admit, you're not really expecting it when you when you first get into it, and then just starts out with Ron Paul. It's uh, it's really great and really effective. I think so. I'm I'm really happy to support that. But uh, but JJ, I, I obviously I haven't really talked to you before, so I don't know much about you. Perhaps we can hear a little bit about your background and and your own musical experience. Well, it's uh, it's kind of long and convoluted, uh, but uh, in general, we got time. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> always been a singer. I'm just one of those people who grew up uh, singing, uh, you know, out of the womb and uh, uh, singing in my bedroom, singing out the window, singing songs, uh, buying 45s every week, uh, two for a dollar at Kmart, and uh, learning every pop tune I could get my ears on, and. Uh, basically stopped singing when my voice broke and you know around junior high school and didn't really discover my voice again until harry connick jr sang in the harry met sally soundtrack Hmm. and i guess i sort of discovered that i liked those songs and i could sing them sort of well and uh started singing again and didn't really start performing until i discovered this wonderful little bar art installation in the heart of East Berlin in 1994. And uh, there was a guy in there with a ruffle shirt and a tuxedo on playing at a home console organ, El Gordo. And he invited the people in that crazy, kitschy, full of old East German junk bar to come up and sing their favorite songs out of the fake book. And I started doing that, and over the course of a few years, I started wearing costumes, and we got a drummer, and we became the band Fuzzy Love, and we started touring Germany, Austria, Italy, went to Hong Kong, went to Japan, Canada, uh, singing the greatest hits of all time. And uh, Sounds like a good gig. I, if you can it get was it. a really, really great gig. <laughs> It was a really, really great gig. Uh, you know, uh, I got to passionately sing Mandy, followed up by Smells Like Teen Spirit, followed up, followed up by Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, 
you know, quite an eclectic just, mix. And and when just, people go to your site at jjjones.de, I think they'll find that you have quite an eclectic mix of music. So I wouldn't even venture to guess at what your musical influences might be. It's it's everything. It's everything from uh, Frank Sinatra to Olivia Newton-John to Brian Eno to Peter Gabriel uh, to a bunch of people whose names I don't know who sing in Serbian Orthodox Church choirs and uh, you know Bjork. Yeah, excellent. So you just love music, and obviously that shows through in your work. Um, so how long, when did you start singing then? Professionally? I would say I, I, I received my first payment for a performance probably around 1996 I see. in Berlin. In Berlin, That was the first time that J.J. Yeah. J. Jones and El Gordo appeared on a stage in a former East German theater, uh, actually before we had the band Fuzzy Love. We were just a duo by at that time. And I sang, it was a Christmas concert, and I sang, uh, gosh, I don't know, it was a Rod Stewart song, I forget the title of it now. So you were but living in Germany at that time? I was living in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And, I graduated uh, and from film school, I went to film school at the University of Michigan, and uh, I, I fell in love with my wife, Sabina, that's why I, I eventually moved to Germany, uh, tried to make it in the film world there, but ended up becoming a translator and uh, performance artist quite an incredible story it must be uh, quite an amazing life and uh, it sounds so interesting but uh, but now you're in nashville how did you end up there well you're in japan you can't be doing so bad yourself um nashville is is is, is an outgrowth of my spiritual pursuits um music brought me to the serbian orthodox church and i discovered this extraordinary choir music in the Slavonic language, and I participated in that choir. Well, I mean, the dramatic story is one day I was going to a to a local church where near where I was living, and I was, I'd been out on the road, and I came back, and I stupidly went to church an hour early. It might even have been a daylight savings time issue, but uh, I was too early for church, and I didn't want to wait. I just wanted to go to any old church. So I listened for the bells, because we were in, this, you know, in the heart of Berlin. There's churches everywhere. So I just followed these bells, and the bells led me to this church I'd never been to before. I walked in, and this choir music just completely overwhelmed me, and I just became totally enamored with the uh, Russian Orthodox Church music. And I, you know, the week later, I went back, and I said, please let me sing in your choir, and they did, and I ended up singing there every week for two years and converted to Orthodox Christianity. And one thing led to another, and uh, wanted to get out of Berlin, and have a new chapter and thought about going back to America, reconnecting with my country, um, but doing it in a place where there's music and spirituality and better weather than Michigan, which is where I came from. So. <laughs> All of which are important, I guess, um, in their Very own important. way. And Nashville <laughs> is a really great place. It's a great location. It's got an international airport. The weather's fantastic. There's lots of, the whole whole spectrum of spirituality here and uh, lots of great musicians and, and studios. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's my first association with Nashville, not having never actually been there, but I mean, uh, certainly one thinks of the, the musical um, the talent that comes out of there, so that must, I, I guess, be a, a nice place to be, and uh, as I understand, you've even taken on uh, country music recently, although apparently that's not your uh, your traditional forte. It is not my forte. I, I don't care for the genre in general, but of course, you know, you, you have to love Hank Williams and, and, and and Patsy Cline and, you know, 
old Dolly Parton and you know all that good old country music. Any musician loves that stuff, um, and uh, and I do like to sing it. And I found a songwriter here that was making kind of old fashioned country with kind of an old fashioned rock and roll. He's a you know he's been writing songs for a while, and I really liked what he was doing. And I decided I'd like to sing them, and he decided he'd like me to sing them. And so it just kind of gelled, and uh, Hal Spangler is his name. So uh, I've recorded a lot of his country songs. Absolutely. Well, I've been listening to to a few of them today, and they all sound great. So I hope people will go check it out again. It's jjjones.de. That's D-E for Deutschland, D-E. And, um, and we'll be right back talking about the mixture of art and politics and listening to some more Ron Paul songs right after these messages. And as for sovereign nations, let's leave them alone and vote Ron Paul, he's really not that old Ron Paul, he'd rather pay with gold Ron Paul, America really needs you Ron Paul Don't get confused when silly people misuse the word conservative with Ron Paul. He's totally hip and lots of liberals flip in the affirmative for Ron Paul. Sure, he's a Republican, but don't let labels fool ya. His whole philosophy is not to let the government rule ya. Now that's liberal. Return to the Constitution, OMG, that's not short of a revolution for Ron Paul, he'll open up the bed, Ron Paul, drinking raw milk in bed, Ron Paul, everyone's rooting for you.
right, welcome back, friends. James Corbett here, of course, from CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Corbett Report Radio, and tonight we're talking to J.J. Jones, the musician behind that song and several others, the Ron Paul songs that are available at IamThatMusic.com slash Ron Paul. Of course, uh, J.J. Jones can be found at JJJones.de. So it's uh, great to have him on the program tonight talking about, of course, all of his music and, of course, specifically about his Ron Paul songs, obviously, meshing quite well with the general philosophy of this broadcast. So, uh, J.J., what what made you interested in Ron Paul, and how did you get involved with the Ron Paul revolution? Well, that's a great question. It's uh, it's very difficult to remember exactly how the light went on um, and and I discovered Ron Paul. It's It's... It's not uh, as clear as the day I met my wife, which I can remember vividly. Um, I, I think I think it's just a very long story, but it's mostly a combination of coming back to America after having lived in Europe for ten years and just noticing, not only noticing but experiencing a, a radical, radical difference in the approach to communication and just how one interacts with the the bureaucracy and businesses. When I was applying for a job at a at a university here, just the the whole process of of testing and and background checks and fingerprints and being overly encouraged to get vaccinations and I was just I couldn't believe it. I, I was just it blew my mind. I really just I couldn't believe it. It just seemed like such a completely different planet and a completely different time and I, I personally found it shocking and uh, it really troubled me and uh, I, 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 I don't know who introduced me to Ron Paul I really wish I, I could remember that but it came up and I, I started just looking it doesn't take long I mean you really for me mm-hmm. I, I'm very uh, attuned I believe myself to be very attuned to the truth with a capital T and when I hear it it's it's very clear to me. I don't have to spend much time thinking about it. So well, that, you know, I think that's true in general. I mean, the the lies that the politicians are often selling us have to be coated in all this sugar, and they have to you know dress them up and and you know feed you Christmas dinner basically to get you to swallow it. But with uh, when it's truth, it's simple, it's easy to remember, and it's uh, it hits you right away. There's no, there's no you know song and dance that goes on about it. That's it. That's it. And I just thought, wow, you know, at least. I can't, you know, I can't believe there's somebody on this level, on the national stage, that's able to speak this kind of truth and get away with it, and that's just so exciting and so motivating, and it's, it's astounding. I, I can't believe that I'm involved in politics. I'd never have been before. And it's, it's refreshing. Well, I think a lot of people can probably resonate with that story because I think a lot of people do come to it through that uh, that exact same uh, process. But uh, but on that note, let's take another short break, and we'll be right back with some more music and conversation with J.J. Jones. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
rollin', rollin', rollin'. From them teats is flowin', nectar straight from heaven, raw milk. You don't know what you're missin', it's delicious, pure nutrition. You'd be cryin' if you ever let it spill. But it's too healthy when it's raw, so they passed a stupid law. You'd think the stuff came from a moonshine still. Drink it up, if you can get it. Where can I buy it? Raw milk, drive a farmer, code word daisy juice. Don't get caught with raw milk. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Our freedom has been stolen. Big dairy still bank rolling raw milk. Their lactose intoleration has compromised the nation. Will they ever be prepared to foot the bill? When will it be okay for us Americans to say what we put between our lips is our free will? Drink it up, hey. it's your right. Yes, sir. Chug it down, <laughs> raw milk. French chemists oh, don't know everything. Love a cow, let's all drink raw milk. Hold it right there, you dirty farmer. I'm with the FDA. What you got? Why, that's the white devil juice if I ever saw it. Disgusting. That stuff right there is downright unpasteurized. Now dump it out. No. Oh, tip it over. No. Spill it now. No. It's raw milk. Tie up those heifers. Mm. Slap these stickers on their udders. You can't drink raw milk. Give me that. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. That was Raw Milk in the Spirit of Frankie Lane by J.J. Jones. And again, that's part of the Ron Paul Songs collection at imthatmusic.com slash Paul. So I hope you will check that out and hopefully purchase a copy of his downtown song to help support the musician behind the work. And tonight we are talking to J.J. Jones of jjjones.de. And, uh, of course, we're talking about all of these uh, the political songs that he's been doing. And, uh, J.J., this is a, a topic that really fascinates me. I've been interested in this for a while, sort of this conjunction of art and politics and how they mix or how they don't mix. And, uh, and obviously, you're, you're right on the edge there with, with these Ron Paul songs. So, so tell us a little bit about your own background and your experience with this type of um, political music. Uh, it, this, it's interesting because... For me, there is a very close correlation between spiritual music and political music because when we talk about the truth, for me personally, that's a spiritual thing. It's a metaphysical thing. It's a, you know, it's values. It's, it's, it's not material. Um, it's ideas. And therefore, it's, it's metaphysical. It's spiritual. And we can talk about it in terms of the Constitution or you can talk about it in terms of the Bible, but there are there are things that we strive for that have to do with the value of, of life and being a good person, being virtuous, being forgiving, uh, all these things. And they come out, as I say, in spirituality as well as in politics, where we as human beings attempt 
to um, implement our ideas about what is spiritually uh, valuable or valid, and uh, therefore we have a constitution in America that you know is based on higher values, and 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 so I'm I'm very much motivated to act in a such a way as to encourage what I personally find to be valuable activity. And in this case, I'm so motivated by uh, the ideas of Ron Paul that he just he makes so many things so tangible that I've been so confused about for so long, in particular, simple economic approaches. Uh, and, 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 and now human rights approaches and you know in the old days in the old in the old days you know 10 years ago i would i would have laughed at the idea of being worried about you know the tsa uh, transportation safety administration or anybody groping you at the airport i would think oh well, that's just normal and you know you have to be safe and calm and why get why get worried about that well now i've become really paranoid <laughs> i've just become overly sensitized to this kind of activity and i find it so deplorable that it just motivates me to do something about it. Um, well, I, I think you touch on, on an important point there, because I think it is it is a consciousness that we possess, or it's a, a spirit that we inhabit that, that sees the world and either in, in terms of, well, these people are there to protect us and everything's fine and just stay calm and do what they say, or we, we have that other consciousness where we see, wait, you know, there's something wrong here and this shouldn't be like this. And depending on that, I think we actually experience the world in different ways. And um, I think someone who's just in, inhabiting the consciousness that everything's fine probably won't understand this music, won't understand the lyrics, won't understand what it is that people are talking about with Ron Paul. And, and then there are the other people who have, who have really turned on to this, this, this consciousness, this way of seeing the world. I, I very much appreciate people who live in a kind of Pollyanna-ish or kind of a state of denial in terms of, and are happy. You know, they're not really worried about it. They kind of go along. Everything's okay. They're not, they don't really mind to lose a little bit of freedom. That's okay for them. I respect that. That's, that's fine. Um, I can't live like that. I'm, I'm too aware of it. I'm too concerned about it and I can't let it go. Um, not only because I know, you know, of some horrible stories in history, of human, in human history where things have gotten out of hand, but also just because as an artist who's very much uh, needing to have the most freedom of expression that I can possibly have is so important to me that I'm hyper aware of every little aspect of anyone trying to take it away. That, that's exactly right, and that, that's why so many people from so many diverse groups uh, are, are behind Ron Paul, I think, is because he's really the only candidate I could think of who would stand up for, for freedom of speech every single time in every single instance. I mean, it's hard to think of another candidate who would be, would be behind that principle, even if he disagrees with what's being said, but will agree with your right to say it. I mean, that, that's just a, a principle that, unfortunately, I mean, it used to be part of the fabric of American society, but these days um, it's very rare to find that in a politician, let alone in the general public. Yeah, and I and I do, and I've become, once again, you know, I'm, I, I, I can't not always refer back to the spiritual aspects of things because for me that is, that is what motivates me politically. Um, I try to have, you know, more of a, a, an overarching sense of spirituality and not one that's 
that's too limited. But um, because people seem to be so willing to forgo these deeper values, um, I really see the culture in America becoming in- intolerably, uh, I mean, the word fails me a little bit, I don't want to be too arrogant, but it, it, it you know, it's just, it's, it's all Walmart. It, does, it, there's, it just seems to be lacking depth, and, it, and it's, it's, it's sad because that's not the way it was, it, and it certainly isn't the way it needs to stay. Exactly right. It's uh, becoming a Disneyland simulacra of the real world, and um, and the more people get in, in, involved in that, the more they invest themselves and, and their their mental energies in that. I think the more they get stuck in in the wrong ways of seeing the world, and and ways that that are ultimately detrimental to their own health and well being. And on that note, I mean, of course, we we're just listening to a song about raw milk. And for people who don't really understand the political significance of that topic, perhaps you can talk a little bit about what motivated you to to write that song. Well, it's funny because. That would be another answer to your question in the, in the bigger picture of how I came to Ron Paul. And I, I do now know that one of the touchstones for me was the raw milk issue, which I discovered early on that was something that he brought up that I read about or saw a video about. And uh, I spent many years in college um, being very aware of nutrition, just being really interested in nutrition. Um you know, having grown up in, you know, 70s middle America, eating a lot of boxed macaroni and cheese. And, you know, <laughs> of course, my, my mother also cooked, you know, but we, but we ate a lot of processed food. And it was obvious to me that that was bad. And I was just researching nutrition. And one of the things that I discovered was, was about milk and, and, and pasteurized milk being very detrimental to our health and the whole idea that, which I've I do believe in, and I can't cite the studies, but I do. There's there is one study that shows that after just three generations, cats who are fed pasteurized milk become infertile, and I, I just found that so profound, and it made perfect sense because there's a lot of fertility problems in America. A lot of the kids are having uh, respiratory problems, and I really think it has a lot to do with the pasteurized milk. And I learned that raw milk was, you know, unpasteurized milk was very nutritious, but you can't get it because the government blocks you from it, and what sense does that possibly make? So when Ron Paul introduced this issue, it was like, wow, it's all coming together for me now. Um, And I just happened to recently have gone to a place in Tennessee where a lot of Amish people live, and I was able to stop at an Amish farm and for the very first time in my life buy some raw milk from an Amish farmer and drink it, and it was delicious. It wasn't radically different from normal whole milk, but it was definitely different and better tasting. And on the way home, uh, driving the car with my raw milk at my side, I just said, I've got to write a raw milk song. And it was, to me, it was so obvious, raw hide, raw milk. It was just like, there you go. <laughs> it wrote itself. It's well, uh, again, I think that's a story a lot of people can relate to. Uh, the the issue of of just the freedom to put in your body what you what you want to put that in terms of even our food. I mean, farm to fork fascism is just a, a really disturbing development, and another one that I don't think I would have really understood in my old uh, paradigm of thinking that uh, the government's just there to protect you and the FDA and everything is just working in your best interest. But uh, but now I, I, I see it much more clearly, and um, I f- think one of really the most ominous developments is things like the uh, 
the way that they're trying to control and limit and restrict what uh, what kinds of foods people can eat or what, even what they can grow or where they can sell it and all of these restrictions that they place on it. And you raise the, uh, the, the idea of the fertility problems uh, with pasteurized milk. Well, uh, another worrying indication from the few GMO food safety feeding studies that they've done is that uh, one of the effects of that over uh, the course of a few generations of lab rats is that uh, after they've eaten enough genetically modified food, they start to go sterile. So uh, a lot of things attacking fertility. And, of course, as you mentioned, we do see declining fertility rates in the Western world. So it is a really disturbing development, and I think it speaks to a lot of the heart of the problem. And, uh, again, I think freedom is really the answer to that and, and so many other questions that a lot of people have these days. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is, it's such a, it's such a huge paradigm shift because I understand why people, and myself included, I mean, I, I come from, and it, it wasn't that long ago that I was really just a regular run-of-the-mill bleeding heart liberal, you know, in, in just the sort of traditional sense of wanting the government to do everything and help people as much as they can, uh, because that just seems like the easiest way to help people, right? Because they've got all the money, so why shouldn't they be the ones to help everybody? Um, but when you look at what the FDA ends up becoming, even though they're trying to do good, and I do believe that that's the intention is to, you know, to help the people, but obviously when you look at it more closely, they fail to do that. They end up really just propping up corporations and leading us uh, on, a, on a wrong path. I mean, it, it, it might have been good for a while and it probably did a lot of good for a while, but I do believe we've now reached a point where we, we, we must change it. Well, when we talk about this nexus of music and politics, is there anyone in particular that, that you look up to or, or how, hold in regard in this respect? And, and in fact, I didn't even plan it this way, but I just realized that we're coming up on the, uh, what, the 31st anniversary of the, the murder of John Lennon, who, of course, we know was being hounded by the FBI and was on Nixon's enemy list and for all of his peace activism. So, so are there any musicians that you look up to in the, in the political music arena? I, I would have to be totally honest and say no, I don't have uh, I don't I'm not motivated by anyone's work in particular in terms of political music I, maybe it just you know just thinking about that for the first time um, maybe subliminally Eddie Vedder who I think has become an extraordinary folk singer and um, I don't know all of his work. Uh, I just know that the work that he did in that film where the guy goes off into the wilderness, I think it's called Into the Wilderness, he did the soundtrack for it, and it was just gorgeous, and it was, you know, these aren't these aren't obvious protest songs, but they're, you know, folk songs based on humanity, and they're very heartfelt. Uh, well, that's right, and, I, and it, it strikes me that to, to limit the idea of political music to just sort of overt in your face political messages would be would be wrong because I think everything we do has a political aspect. So I think that comes out in, in whatever type of art we're creating. I, I think it you know it, it makes sense to to fight against injustice. I, I don't personally you know maybe one of the reasons why I don't have um, many models uh, on this is because of my my artistic sensibility and my sense of humor. I don't see myself ever writing a traditional protest song. Um, I'd much rather write a parody that's got irony uh, because it's just, 
I've heard a million protest songs, and I know that some of them are very important, and I know that they've moved a lot of people, but for my own sensibility, I, I'm really not moved by the traditional kind of heartfelt, moving song. Just, I just, I'm not affected by that, that genre, but I am affected by something that's got a twist to it. I, I understand I completely, yeah, and and of course that obviously shows through with these Ron Paul songs, and and I think it's again it's important. I I've always said, and I always I really do believe that uh, everyone has to has to just approach these things and contribute in their own ways, and uh, and I think all of us just doing it based on what our our own feelings, our own ideas, our own opinions are, uh, eventually that will add up to an overwhelming force in society as a whole. And uh, different people respond to different things in different ways. So I think just all of sure. us have to get out there. So that's why sure. it's always inspiring for me to see people doing things like these these Ron Paul songs and and trying to get the message out in a different way because it's important to to remember that we don't always have to approach everything just by going in and, and just uh, you know starting a starting a podcast or a blog or anything, which is often the way I frame it. Obviously, coming from where I'm coming from, we can also approach it through art and through other other ways of uh, getting the message out there. And as I say, I hope it uh, I hope it does get out there. So just uh, in the closing uh, minute here, can you just uh, throw out the websites one, one more time? My own websites? Yes, that's right. Uh, well, my main website with all my projects is uh, jjjones.de. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, iamthatmusic.com slash Paul. Excellent. And, uh, okay, I well, really I hope people will go there. there. Yeah. I, I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you so much for your time today. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com here in the sunny climes of western Japan. And thanking you once again for a, an, another uh, listening for another broadcast of Corbett Report Radio. And uh, just reminding you, tomorrow night we have Aaron Franz scheduled to be on the program, the dog documentary filmmaker behind The Age of Transitions. And then uh, Thursday night we have our good friend James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com on to discuss his sister website, FoodWorldOrder.com. So I hope you'll stay tuned for those broadcasts later on in the week. But right now, uh, J.J. Jones, our guest tonight, has been good enough to supply a hot off the press. It's not even available to the public yet. Brand new song. This time, of course, uh, keeping in the spirit of the season, it's a Christmas-themed song. So we're going to play out tonight with Silver and Gold. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow night. Silver and gold, silver and gold, everyone wishes for silver and gold. How do you measure its worth? Don't bother asking the Federal Reserve. From good sources I'm told That silver and gold Mean so much more when we see Shining metallic fixed assets To back up our money 
That was J.J. Jones of jjjones.de. So I hope you'll check out not only that song, but of course all of the songs that are available there, and of course the Ron Paul songs that we were listening to tonight at imthatmusic.com/ronpaul. So uh, once again, thank you all for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow night right here on Corbett Report Radio. <laughs>